It's a peaceful protest. We walking, raising awareness. Some of the injustice that we've been seeing is not okay. And as a young person, you gotta you gotta listen to our perspective. Our voices need to be heard. People are gonna look back. Our kids are gonna look back at this and say, "You were a part of that." I got a grandfather that marched next to Dr. King in the '60s, and he was amazing. He would be proud to see us all here. We gotta keep pushing forward. Sports are like the reward of a functional society. Sirius XM Sports presents Forward Progress, a weekly open conversation on race and sports in America. Here are your hosts, Jason Jackson and Kirk Morrison. Welcome to Forward Progress. Good to have you with us. A lot of stuff to get to. In just a second, we're going to lead everything off with uh, the homecoming of Brittany Griner. And in a little bit, we'll dive inside the new hire at Jackson State. And uh, Kevin Durant put his money where his mouth is and also at Bowie State. So it's all it all comes together <laughs> in that situation a little bit later in the program. Uh, conversation that'll be led by Kirk will be uh, this fantastic combination of uh, coaches versus racism. The executive director of that organization, uh, Daryl Woods, will be with us on the program. We'll dive inside their initiatives coming up here uh, in just a little bit. But uh, let's start off, like we noted, Kirk, with Mm -hmm. uh, just it's we get to the point now where even good stuff has to endure a bunch of cynicism right and the the what about always so i'm i this is not the at least i'm i have no energy for that today right and just want to get to the premise that it what it was every day too long uh for Brittany griner uh and what she endured uh through this tumultuous experience in Russia, a place where she lived and worked uh, for a good portion of her professional basketball career. And due to the strained relationships between Russia and the United States over Ukraine and, and a myriad of other things, right? Let's, let's not <laughs> right. make it a single thing. Um, she and others, and that's on both sides, by the way, let's be clear about that, mm-hmm. uh, are, are held and used as bargaining pieces for interests for either nation. Uh, But the bottom line is this, um, Griner's back in the United States and already like, like here's the one thing I love about basketball players. They play basketball. They do. Right. They they just just get to it. (laughs) Right. right You know, you, you and your colleagues need it. You need to break (laughs) away from it. Right. Yeah. Uh, It's tough to play pickup. Uh, baseball right but yeah. but you can get to your workouts uh <laughs> as soon as you get back and and Brittany had but um just just a, a step back before we get into by the way uh some of the details surrounding her return which we'll, we'll deal with in just a second but um it, it's a story that we have been following since the beginning and so for there to be closure and it's not when you're dealing with international diplomacy it's not going to be tidy yeah it's not and this isn't no, but I always try to look at it from at least two things. This has nothing to do with basketball. It has everything to do with the individual. And if this was my family member and what would I want in this space? And so uh, I think this is absolutely fantastic. Yeah. I think you, you said it, man, she's home, right? I mean, that's what we talked about before the show started was BG is home. Brittany Griner is home. And it's been 10 long months. And I remember when we first started 
we first start talking about this story when it first happened, mm-hmm. you thought, okay, you know, maybe she'll be back in, you know, over in the, in the States in about a, you know, a couple weeks, figure this, the whole thing out because there was nothing, there was no intent. There was nothing malicious. I mean, there was just what was being painted was more like a misdemeanor. It wasn't something in which that a lot of people ex- expected her to be over there for 10 months. And as the days start going by, the weeks started going by, then the months start going by. And Jax, we just start saying, like, is she ever going to come back? And then to see the trial play out the way that it did, and to hear about the conditions in which she lived in and all of that, it was it, it was a lot. Because, and, and I think this is where people have to, we, we have to separate this part. Did she make a mistake? She rightfully did. She made a mistake. But it wasn't a, a mistake in terms of to, to where she serves this kind of time. I think we all realize that she became a a pawn in a political stand in a, in a political standoff between Russia and the USA. Putin, Biden. We knew that there was more to what was going on than actually just what was kind of being alleged that she did that she you know said hey look I, i'm guilty of it but this was not what was intended so that being said Jax, now that she's home i'm happy she's home i'm happy because we hopefully can get away from this political stuff uh is it a lesson to be learned most definitely but you also brought an american citizen back who deserve you back who is a big voice for a lot of people. She symbolizes for a lot of people as well. The way that she lives her life, what she does for a living. This isn't just, oh, we're just bringing somebody back. I thought it was bigger. And to see um, just the exchange. Now, I haven't had a chance. We haven't heard from Brittany yet. That's what we're waiting on, Jax. We're waiting mm-hmm. to hear from her. But what she's experienced, I, I know a lot of, I wouldn't wish that on on, on my on my worst enemy. As a noted, uh, got back, hit the court in San Antonio on Sunday uh, to get her first shots up in uh, nearly 10 months. It was a light workout. And what's next for her in basketball is, you know, right now, just on pause, like enjoy the holidays and then figure out, uh, you know, what's next. And you, you just imagine that you're changed. Right. In some way. And that may impact her basketball, it may not. I just don't think it's the most important thing with, to try to get from the storyline. Uh, right now. But uh, what I do want to do is open up our platform for a really cool conversation on CNN, the U.S. Special Envoy for Hostage Affairs. Imagine that's an office. Oh, no. <laughs> right? Like, I, yeah. that's that's serious stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, as, as we're talking right now, uh, the Miami Heat, who I, I work for, for those that don't know, are going to play the San Antonio Spurs in Mexico City on uh, on Saturday. Right. As we tape this on on the on Wednesday, and we had a serious security briefing with the league. Mm. This is this is serious stuff all over the world, right? Uh, where you have to be mindful of the fact that you do not have your American citizen freedoms Correct. once you once you <laughs> leave, 
right? Even though you may yeah. be a tourist or uh, you may be on a work visa, like it, mm-hmm. it's a different world out there. So anyway, yeah, yeah, uh, that, you that, a special that, envoy. That, that, that what you say? That Declaration of Independence don't don't work over here, brother. It doesn't travel. <laughs> no, that, that thing stay on, on, over there. <laughs> yeah. So the U.S. Special Envoy for Hostage Affairs, Roger uh, Carstens, was on CNN uh, and talked about what it was like to go get Brittany. You flew to the to UAE. You welcomed her on the tarmac. What was the moment like? For both of you, and what was it like for her, more specifically? Uh, it's always kind of a, uh, an exciting moment when you jump on the other uh, country's plane and walk up to an, a person, in this case, Brittany. And I'll tell you what I told her. I said, uh, Brittany, my name is Ambassador Roger Carstens. I'm with the U.S. Department of State. On, be- and on behalf of the President of the United States, Joe Biden, and Secretary of State, Tony Blinken, I'm here to take you home. Mm. And at that moment, I think uh, every person finally starts to realize that it's going to happen. It's setting in. Certainly, Brittany felt that way. And at that point, we have to go through a little more of the choreography to get her on the plane. It usually takes about three minutes. But here's what I wouldn't mind telling you. When she finally got onto the U.S. plane, I said, Brittany, you must have been through a lot over the last 10 months. Uh, here's your seat. Please feel free to decompress. We'll give you your space. And she said, oh, no, I've been in prison for 10 months now listening to Russian. I want to talk. But first of all, who are these guys? And she moved right past me and went to every member on that crew looked them in the eyes, shook their hands, and asked about them, got their names, making a personal connection with them. It was really amazing. And then later on, on an 18-hour flight, she probably spent 12 hours just, just talking. And we talked about everything under the sun, and I was left with the impression that this is an intelligent, passionate, compassionate, humble, interesting person, a patriotic person, but above all, authentic. Uh, I, I hate the fact that I had to meet her in this manner, but I actually felt blessed having had a chance to get to know her. You said that she wanted to talk. Did she talk specifically about the experience she in did. a Russian penal colony? She did. Uh, I'd hate to steal her thunder because it's, it's her story to tell. But uh, she, she spoke at length about what it was like to go undergo that uh, 10-month ordeal. Just going back to the first thing you said, when you shook her hand and you said that you were there to take her home, did she know, obviously she was on a plane, mm-hmm. so she knew something was happening, did she know for sure she was being freed before that moment? At that point, she did. Okay. Um, the, the Russians, just like the United States, has to go through certain administrative procedures. Yeah. At a certain point, it uh, kind of becomes evident that something ha- something's happening. And then usually uh, when the Russians pick up someone from their prison cell, in this case, Brittany, they give her a sense that she's going home that day. What's that like to be the person to shake someone's hand and welcome them back to America after yeah. they've been wrongly held? It's humbling. Um, it, it, I'm very grateful that uh, President Biden allows me a chance to do this job. Uh, it's also a painful job. Uh, so when you get this chance to shake someone's hands, it's one of those rare moments that you get to celebrate a victory. But know this, even as we're welcoming someone home, we still have work to do. So as I'm shaking Brittany's hands and we're taking her to the aircraft and having this great conversation, my brain's already thinking about Paul Whelan. Mm-hmm. What can we do to get him back? What's our next move? What's the strategy? How can we adapt? How's her physical health? Um, she, she looks great. I mean, she was uh, full of energy, looked fantastic. She seems to be just fine. Listen, it, it, there was a lot of conversation and pressure on the administration uh, to get Brittany back, to get a lot of folks back from not right. just Russia, but all over the world. Uh, but for a second, for these individuals that worked on this particular case right. and the attention that's on it, and to be able to get an American citizen, any American citizen, out of a Russian penal, Russian penal colony, and to be able to be in that space with her, flying with her on the way back—that's, you know, 
you wonder why people pick those particular jobs and it's for <laughs> these types of victories, which probably don't come often. Yeah. I, I thought that was the, 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 the funny part of, of listening to it in terms of you want, you know, Roger saying, Hey, I want to give Brittany her space and her time. Hey, just go sit over there. You do what you do. Don't worry about us. She's like, no, I, I need you guys. Yeah, <laughs> I, I've been people. away from, I've been away from civilization. I've been, Hearing Russian language far too long. Oh, I want to speak some English. I want to speak my native tongue. I want to, you know, hear what's been going on, what I've missed, the interactions with people. And that's that's what really got me. Cause I think you forget about that. It's not like she was in yeah. a, a jail in the US and you're around other people who you know speak like you and talk like you and and probably have some similar interests, maybe in music or whatever it may be. That was not the case. She was over there alone. And, and and I can only imagine, you know, it's just the, the stuff you see in, in movies and to just, to, you know, kind of hear someone's, you know, firsthand knowledge of seeing her come back and be on the plane. I, I think that's, again, you know, she's, she sees him and is like, Hey, is this for real? She's like, yeah, this is, this for real. You're coming back home. So, you know, I get it. Um, and and the one part I think that you take from this too, Jax, is not everybody is all thrilled about the return of Brittany Griner. And that was that that's what took me back a little bit when when it was announced that she was coming home. Mm-hmm. You know, there was to me, I would think that a lot of people would be on board for bringing Brittany back. And, you know, obviously there was a trade. I mean, that was a, a trade of people who are in imprisoned you know the u.s we wanted britney back and russia said they wanted uh what are they victor, victor brout was the name victor victor bout is the, the russian right, war right. uh arms dealer so there was a trade for britney but then also too a lot of people were saying but why britney you know why wasn't it other folks yeah, Michael Parsons got caught up in it. Yeah, and that's this is where people got to watch out when they tweet, you know, because you 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 you're, you're a little emotional. You see what's going on, and then you hear, okay, well, why is Britney getting released? And and this is part of uh, Michael Parsons, I believe. He initially questioned the release of Britney Griner instead of the Marine, Paul Whelan, who's now being sort of, everybody's kind of pointing at him a little bit, said, well, he he's a former U.S. Marine. Why, why didn't Biden bring him back? What's what's so special about Brittany Grider? And so, you know, Michael Parsons tweeted sort of about that, and that's when the backlash hit, Jackson. That's when you've already pressed in. You, mm-hmm. Once you press in, it's already out there. And so he had to had to kind of retract his statement a little bit, but it was just he was not he was one of many that I was surprised by this. You know what I mean? And here we yeah. are. Yeah, I mean, you even have people on the right, like in government, like Correct. in Congress, trying to create a wedge here, right? Right. And and individual citizens buying into like what I just feel like there's sometimes this like absence of humanity for the desire to make a point yes or the desire to push back on what is just a good thing 
I don't care yeah, who I the president is. You got to look at this stuff as individual victories. This is literally, it, do you think that there isn't any effort to get Wayland back? You get whom you get. Right. Who can you get right now in these scenarios? These are compromises. They're negotiations. So it's not a shopping spree. Right. Where you get to decide. You know, it's to everyone wants everyone. That, Correct. That's not how it works. And so when a actual possibility is on the table, you go full throat and you pull whom you can out of hell. And that's, that's what this is about. I, I'll be honest, man. I saw somebody who I thought, not a friend, but an associate, you know, yeah. somebody you know, bounce into. And I mean, leaned in hard about <laughs> this being the wrong thing. Right. And, you know... I haven't seen this individual yet, but I look forward to it. And we're going to talk about this. Mm. You know, it, it became like to the point, like questioning Britney's patriotism. Mm. Oh, <laughs> what? She played for Team USA. What you talking oh. about? <laughs> well, like, I, I got it, the help. Yeah, yeah, I got, I got, I got yeah, the, yeah, the. Nobody twists your arm to do that. You either want to or you don't. Yeah, um, I got the but, Michael Parsons tweet right here too. I was going to just kind of. Yeah, go ahead. Kind of yeah, caught, yeah, for, caught if anybody that. missed it, yeah, the yeah, Cowboys in, in the hot water. So when Britney was was uh, you know announced that she was released, uh, Parsons had tweeted out, uh, and I quote here, uh, "Wait, nah, we left a Marine? Oh hell no!" And now that was deleted, mm -hmm. and then also he kind of backed it up and said, uh, "I mean, backed another tweet, and in which he deleted as well of President Biden's announcement saying, um, we still right. not voting for you.'" we still not voting for you. And so, yeah, got him in a little hot water. And he said, and then he had to come back and re apologize. My last tweet was no shot at Brittany Griner. I'm super happy. She's back. I'm home. And as she should be, I just have family who have served. And it's crazy to me that the president wouldn't bring him home too. I'm the furthest thing from a Trump supporter, but I'm not a fan of Biden either. That was a uh, Michael Parsons pushback. So yeah. Or his, uh, but the framing of Parsons is that he knows everything about every case. And, and it's, and how can you, you don't know, why would your assumption be, I don't care what the party is. What would, what would be your assumption that someone would be intentionally <laughs> left behind that? That's the part where it's now you're just trying at that point. And, and, I'm not sure where Mike is because he's bouncing all over the place. But Correct. for those people that tried to make this divisive, that tried to make it left versus right by the administration against the grand old right. party, um, that you're on some other stuff. This is about humanity. It's about yeah. going and get a person that you can get and get them out, as I've said before, of hell. We're talking about a Russian penal colony. Yeah. This is not a movie. Right. It's not a miniseries. It's a Netflix. No. <laughs> for real <laughs> hell yeah and anybody can get any time and here's the other thing that work continues for Waylon and others yes it's still right others now. right in right other now. countries too it's not just right. here and, you know my buddy said uh, a couple of buddies i remember talking to was like say jerry jones got to michael parsons he's brainwashing the cowboys so. oh, yeah. yeah the timing of it all right the timing, the of, timing it all. of it all. we talked about the jerry jones picture a couple of weeks ago right. here on the program so right learning about the no kneel no kneeling policy no kneeling all of that man we talking about all yeah. of the jacks here but you know i think this is a great play and a great platform for us just to be able to talk about it and to hear different sides of it 
You know, yeah. I think that's what we're here for. That hey, some people are for, some people are against, and I don't judge you. You know, either way, but at least let's talk about. It. I want to hear that side yeah. of the story. And I think some people who very patriotic say, "Well, why did we leave a U.S. you know former U.S. Navy Marine over there?" And I said, "We don't know the answers. I don't know that answer. I wasn't. I'm not in these negotiations. But I wish I would know a little bit more about it." Because obviously there is something to be said for why the Russians were able to give up Brittany for um, the Russian arms dealer, Victor Bouton. I mean, there's, I think they realize this was more about Brittany. And I said the political side than maybe Mr. Whalen. And that's why we were probably able to, to get her back before Mr. Whalen. We'll be able to keep an eye on that story as well. Time for us to take a break. When we come back, uh, Kirk, kind enough to lead a discussion with Daryl Woods. He's the director of Coaches Versus Racism, the HBC Roundball Classic, hosted by that nonprofit coming down the avenue. Give us an opportunity to check in and see what's going on. That and more as Forward Progress continues. You're listening to Forward Progress on Sirius XM Radio. Joined now by the executive director of the Coaches versus Racism, Mr. Daryl Woods. And Daryl, as we tape this on Wednesday, okay, we tape this on Wednesday, December 14th. Uh, we know that one game has passed already in this Coaches versus Racism Classic, Houston versus North Carolina AT. But for this year, and I'll let you get a chance to talk all about it, but Houston was the number one ranked team coming into this week after you know, starting the season strong, the number one ranked team. So a lot of eyeballs that were on this year's coaches versus racism, the first game of the classic with three games in all. Yeah. I mean, I, we thought that it was, you know, um, obviously we had planned this game way ahead of time. So um, we didn't know Houston was going to be ranked number one. Right. It's, it's kind of worked out that way. Yeah. Um, and uh, I've, I've known coach Sampson, uh, for over 30 years, I actually played for him when he was at Washington State when he was 28 years old. Wow. So so the relationship, you know, goes back, um, you know, a long way. Uh, so it, it obviously do, does help when a team is ranked number one in, in planning your event um, and being an advocate and an agent for change for whatever cause that you have. So uh, there's a ton of benefit for that. And uh, we, we're just appreciative that we get the opportunity. Yeah, that that game was uh, on Tuesday, December thirteenth. Uh, says Houston topped North Carolina A and T, uh, but there's still two more games ahead. You got a doubleheader coming up this Saturday, December seventeenth. Prairie View A and M will be taking on the Montana Grizzlies, and that'll be at twelve p.m. Central Time. And right after that, it's the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Uh, they're ranked in the top twenty-five this week as well. They'll be taking on Jackson State and. Their head coach, Mo Williams, that game will be at 3 p.m. Central Time, and you can see all of these games on hbcugo.tv. This isn't the first year. This is now sort of a a trend now. This is the second year. So tell me, what have you learned from the first year with Coaches versus Racism and how it was received after its first year of being able to be played? Well, well, Kurt, that's a pretty good question, just because what I've learned just as an individual and just been in the sports market entertainment business for over 20 years is that operations matter. Right. <laughs> okay. Right. When, uh-huh. when you're doing these events, uh, operations matter. 
but as far as the game goes and what we're trying to get accomplished is, is that uh, we have a lot of coaches that are advocates um, uh, for us, a lot of universities that are advocates um, uh, for us in terms of being agents of change um, and promoting uh, systemic racism, uh, social injustice, you know, equality, equity, reform, all these things that are, are social issues. Um, and we feel really good about it, you know, and, and, and moving forward, uh, like you said, this is the second year right. uh, and we plan on doing this every year with different locations uh, to make sure that the number one thing that the narrative uh, of, of racism does not die and have different dialogues to, to be able to go out and bring awareness and promote it. He's Daryl Woods. He's the executive director of the Coaches versus Racism, the HBCU Round Ball Classic. A couple of games coming up this weekend. Already had one passed already. And for people who can't wait to see some of these matchups, again, go to hbcugo.tv for the doubleheader this Saturday. But, you know, Daryl, I, I want to go to the, the press conferences leading into this games, uh, these games. I had a chance to sit back and, and watch. And you listened to some of the words from the coaches. And you mentioned Coach, Coach Sampson there as well having these discussions and listening to these coaches that feel like they they this is a continuous conversation amongst them but amongst their players as well and to see the national media come in and be able to ask these questions what they normally don't have they, they normally don't do during the year it's about x's and o's and this and that before a period for a couple of days they get a chance to have these conversations how big of an impact has that been it's been really, it's been really impactful, Kurt. Just, just because, uh, you know, anytime you attach the word racism to any conversation, right. um, there's certain feelings behind the, the word, right? Uh, mm -hmm. And what we want to try to do is make sure that, you know, uh, while there's some, you know, uh, some uh, sensitivity behind the word, is is create the platform where coaches, players, uh, administrators, uh, sponsors feel comfortable enough talking about it. Okay. Right. Okay. It's, it's, it's as simple as having um, a, a, a meaningful conversation about, you know, here's where our history had us and this is where we're trying to go. Okay. And it's as simple as that, have those conversations, just understanding where we're, you know, where we came from and where we're trying to get to. And that, and that's it. So we don't want to complicate it. Is There's no fault uh, uh, on anyone's part, whether you're, black, brown, yellow, green, it, it doesn't really matter. Mm -hmm. it, it's more about um, here's a platform that you can speak freely about without being criticized, you know, for your for your words. And we understand that people are going to have uh, mixed feelings about certain issues. And that's OK. You know what I mean? That's OK, because you know, having the conversations and communicating about it is probably the most important thing. You know, one of the things that me and Jax have talked about on this program for progress for, it seems like the last couple of years has been obviously the high, highlighting HBCUs and the, the conversation of late has been for us more on the football side, but it's been, you know, coach Deion Sanders going from Jackson state and going over to Colorado and, you know, people have kind of pushed back and said, well, I thought this was, he's leaving the movement. He's leaving the movement of the HBCUs. He was supposed to be doing this and doing that. And we like, he is leading the movement in his own way. I think that we're all leading the movement in his own way. But what have you seen from obviously your work and what you've been doing for the HBCUs as well and getting a more awareness with such classics like the round ball classic as well? 
Yeah, you know, um, yeah, there's a there's a ton of conversation that you can have regarding what what uh, Coach Sanders is is done, um, and we look at him as as kind of leading the charge with that, uh, because you know, in all honesty, he didn't have to take that job. Correct. Right. Right. Uh, and what what he did was shine light on the the situation um, in terms of resources and, and things of that nature. So he needs to be applauded for 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 a lot of that. Okay, a lot of that. Um, and going forward, in terms of what CVR is bringing to the table for, from an HBCU standpoint, it's it's more of the awareness that HBCU schools have really good players. Okay, um, and we want to make sure that those good players uh, get seen by whether it's, you know, being professional, whether it's at the NBA level, whether it's at, you know, going overseas to make a living plan, plan a sport. Uh, but our, our overall goal uh, is to, to shine a light on, on the universities. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and I know we're starting with basketball because that's what I know, but, it's, it's, it's bigger than just basketball. We, we're, we're tapping into other sports, whether it's volleyball, football next. Um, so there's some other sports that, that are in the pipeline that we're working on uh, to create more uh, exposure for the HBCU schools. And, you know, it, again, this is just the beginning. You know, and, and I don't know if anyone knows this, but uh, Robert Covington is, is the only HBCU player in the NBA right now. Now, there's, four, there's 450 players in the NBA uh, on currently on NBA rosters, right? Right. Um, and you know, uh, not not counting the G League, okay. Not counting IR and all the other things. So, right. uh, you know, and what what uh, what Covington has done uh, is pretty remarkable. Coming from where he's come from, he's from Chicago. I'm from Chicago, so I've known right. him for a while, um, and his family. Um, so he's been the one to kind of carry the torch a little bit. Uh, but we need others. You know, we need others to help um, with, you know, the awareness to make sure the league knows that there are good players uh, in the NBA. Now, he's not the only one that has played, but just currently. He's currently active. Yeah. Currently and active, he's he's the only one. Yeah. CVR, Coaches versus Racism, Executive Director Daryl Woods joining Forward Progress today. And you're talking about how this round ball classic is starting to evolve and now starting to go to possibly other sports down the line. Where else do you see it? You you mentioned volleyball. You mentioned some of the other sports that possibly could take part in this. Where, where do you see it going now after you've, you know, with the second year of the HBCU round ball classic? Well, let me give you an example. So, you know, obviously with the sports in, in the U.S., that's, you know, that's a given. But internationally, too, uh, there's a humongous uh, trend in terms of what racism means in other in other countries. Right. Um, give you an example uh, in Italy. I have a partner uh, that that actually just called me out of the blue and <laughs> said, "Hey, would you be interested in bringing an international soccer game to the United States?" Uh, and you know, I I would bring the the international teams. Uh, you know, we can find a host. Uh, a city to to actually have the event, so bring four teams. So you know, uh, again, it's, it's CVR. It's it's a ton of legs that we have. What I want to try and do is make sure that this is controlled and take baby steps, <laughs> right? You know, um, along the way while we're in this growth process. Okay. Mm. So you know, the ceiling is you know what it is. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's just that we have to to be 
smart uh, about how we would kind of roll it out. Absolutely. Well, I know to all the people, they better make sure that they show up because uh, the first game you mentioned it, which was last uh, on Tuesday night, night. Uh, was, yeah, was sold out. Houston defeated North Carolina A&T was at 74 46. And obviously we know Houston, one of the best teams in all of the country, but there's still two more games ahead Saturday, December 17th. I can't wait to see those matchups. Prairie View versus Montana, Texas Tech versus Jackson State. And what, what kind of basketball should we be uh, looking forward to watching this weekend, Daryl? I mean, because you're getting some different types. And that's what I love about these matchups. It's Power 5 or HBCU, but then you're also looking at the mid-major, like a, a Montana team that traditionally find their way into the tournament. So I like the action. What, what else should we be looking for? Well, the, the, the action is, is, is great. I mean, you got, you know, the first game is Prairie View in Montana, like you mentioned, uh, with Coach Travis DeCure. Uh, and, and Coach Smith, Byron Smith, uh, and both of those guys are, are really good coaches. They get their teams to uh, play really hard. Uh, they're well coached. Uh, so that's going to be a very interesting game. It should be very competitive. Um, they both they both need wins right now because they've gone out on a limb and played a ton of power fives, uh, you know, for the preseason. So to kind of test their kids. So this should be a pretty good matchup, right? Yeah. Uh, Texas Tech. Uh, second game, Texas Tech and, and Jackson State with, with Mo Williams. Uh, he's put, you know, his first year, he's put it, put together a pretty good roster of, of players that want to play for an NBA type of guy. Yeah. Um, you know, so um, I see Mo doing a, a little similar to what Dion has done at Jackson State, but on the basketball side uh, in, the, in the years to come. And um, it should be very interesting. You know, obviously in Texas, Texas is a top 25 team. So it should be very competitive. So, you know, just got to wait and see what happens. It is at the end of the day, it's competition. And as far as CVR goes, you know, this is our platform and right. it's basketball, but it's a little bit more than basketball, obviously. Right. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Daryl Woods, executive director. But uh, here with one more minute as we uh, just get the, the last of the uh, thoughts of this round ball classic. And if you cannot make it to the game, go to hbcugo.tv. You can watch all of these games nationally as well if you can't make it down to Houston. And look, one of the biggest things, obviously, you mentioned the awareness that we've been talking about. We also get the awareness of watching some outstanding young men play basketball. But I think more importantly, as our country uh, you know, is going through its process of always trying to be better, this CVR, Coaches versus Racism, also combats racism. What's one of the big components that outside of just the basketball that you continue to see the growth of the awareness to combat racism um, throughout this classic and the awareness? Well, I think one of the, the biggest things is, is that I had a conversation with one of the administrators at University of Houston last night is that, you know, um, when you play sports, you know, uh, whether it's high school college, professional, whatever, we're, we're in a bubble. Rest. Okay. And sometimes you don't get a chance to experience the quote unquote, uh, normal racism that a, a typical person would experience while you're in that bubble. But the moment you step out of that, you're just a regular person, just like everyone else. Right. So what, what we want to try to do is make sure that people are aware that through sports, you know, we look at sports as, as, a, as a microcosm of, of, you know, the world, basically. You know, that's one of the, you know, the few uh, times that you can sit right next to a person and cheer for the same thing, 
you know, whether that yeah. person is a, you know, quote-unquote racist or non-racist or whatever, or, you know, black, white, or, you know, whatever, you know, you can cheer and, and have something in common. So I think part of our goal is to make sure that we find those things that we do have in common, okay? Because generally, there'll be more things that we have in common that we, than we don't, if we just have those conversations. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Daryl, I know you're a busy, busy guy, but look, for everybody out there who may have missed the first game between North Carolina A&T versus Houston, don't worry. We got two games left in the HBCU Round Ball Classic this Saturday, December 17th. Prairie View taking on Montana and then the game right after that, Texas Tech versus the Jackson State Tigers. Remember, these games start at 12 p.m. Central Time, 3 p.m. And the, the second game will be at 3 p.m. Central. If you can't make it down to Houston, go to hbcugo.tv. Daryl, man, I appreciate the time. I know you're a busy guy, but, man, I can't believe it's the second time through, and we can't wait for the third time through as well. Yeah, no, for sure. Hey, appreciate it, man. Um, tickets are still still out there, too. So you, you can you can visit our website at uh, coachingversusracism.org, SVS coachesversusracism.org uh, for more ticket information. So, uh, again, thanks for having us, Kurt. And uh, anytime, man, appreciate you guys. You too, man. Hey, best of luck to everything and all your endeavors, and happy holidays, Daryl. All right, likewise. All right. More all right. Forward Progress coming up next. You're listening to Sirius XM Radio. Radio. We now return to Forward Progress. Here's Jason Jackson and Kirk Morrison. Thanks for rolling with us all the way through Forward Progress. We've got word that Kevin Durant has announced a donation of $500,000. Kirk, I had to uh, count the zeros. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, 50 grand, that's nice. That means they'll be able to do something. Wait a minute, $500,000 to Bowie State University uh, yeah. to help renovate the Bulldogs basketball arena. The, the renovations are going to include the installation of a new basketball court, expansion of seating capacity, uh, upgrades to the press box, and in addition – uh, to the facility upgrades, uh, the Durant donation will also provide financial support for both the men and women's basketball teams, as yeah. well as uh, university athletic programs. Uh, what a wonderful connection. Uh, as we know, you know, that general vicinity is where Durant's from. And so to be able to reach inside the the Delaware, Virginia, Maryland area mm -hmm. and the DMV. Is, come on now. <laughs> uh, it's, it's just, you know, it's absolutely fantastic. Um, it, it's these are the things that are need to continue to be done. Right. Right. And they don't always have to be publicized, but I'm, I'm super glad that players who are, who probably could give gifts and, and Kevin probably has given something to Texas. Right. That's where he went. Right. Uh, but also reaching to their own communities, uh, not just the whole HBCU community. I mean, as a whole, you know, umbrella, I'm talking about their actual areas and identify the HBCU in your area and, and dropping some impactful, I mean, big, big dollars. Yeah. And I think there's a relationship there probably that's been going on for a long time. Uh, like you mentioned him being from that uh, DMV area, you know, the DC, Maryland, Virginia area, he's probably played a, a game or two. Uh, a pickup basketball or, or to an open gym uh, and realizing that he can make impact or help impact a lot of the young youth, uh, the lives of men and women who want to play uh, basketball, to have a, a, a nice little gym to play in, uh, something that you want to go to. 
So this is huge for uh, Kevin Durant, and this is not the first time that he's done it, though. To your no, point, he's just. done a lot, a lot that people lot. aren't aware about. Yeah, that, right? yeah. But you know, it's it's one of those things too. He does something that you don't like. You 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 try to point the finger and criticize, but then you don't look at this long laundry list. This one, this CVC was a CVS receipt list of what he's been able to do. That thing is long <laughs> in terms of. You know what he's been able to do because the one thing I will always say about Kevin Durant and look, he played for you know one of you know my, my hometown team for <laughs> three years, gave us two championships. Um, but one thing I will say is you will never discredit his love for basketball, love for the yeah. sport, love for the game, love for the passion, the hard work that goes into it. That is he is all about basketball and he's all about you know pushing the game forward. So I expect something like this, but I think it goes back to conversation that we've had on this program too, Jax is, you know, the awareness to be able to contribute to HBCUs. And, you know, we've had this discussion about coach prime Sanders last couple of weeks, who takes a job from who leaves Jackson state and he heads up to Colorado, but the awareness is there. People are giving. The awareness to HBCUs, it's not just certain schools, it's it's all the schools. And this is a prime example of Kevin Durant taking it upon himself to rebuild an aspect of Bowie State that is going to go on and last for many more years to come. So this isn't just, oh, here's a donation and you help out a couple people here. This actually helps out the men's, the women's, and all the people who will be uh, you know, rolling about that court it looks pretty cool for the people who haven't seen it yet. Go check it out. Yeah. Nice little rendition I saw of what his funds are going to be able to do. It looks pretty cool. In Prince George's County, there, uh, the, the Durant Foundation has what they call Durant Center. And mm-hmm. it, this is a college track, and it's students uh, who attend, you know, those area universities. Some are uh, full four year schools, some are. Um, uh, junior colleges, but it, it's this beautiful bridge for young people to be a part of mm. something in that general vicinity. And so um, this contribution to Bowie State Athletics also includes the establishment of a scholarship fund for the Durant Center College track students who would then attend Bowie State. So it's mm. really like this is a funnel that oh, they're yeah. creating, right? Yeah. I like that, man. I mean, that's... I mean, I would expect nothing different when it comes to uh, Kevin Durant, who's, you know, and obviously when you got mama there too, his mom helping out too. Oh yeah. Right. Mama go make sure you come back to your community. You know, (laughs) mama Durant don't play. So she's seeing her uh, as well alongside him. This is one of the great gestures and you'd love to see more of them though, too. Not just from Kevin Durant, but from others. Yeah, no, it's, it's a, it's a full family affair and it's super fun to watch, you know, that life altering stuff, right. Yeah. That, uh, that, that gets to be put in place. Uh, there's some altering going on at Jackson state at, yeah. with Deion Sanders, making a move uh, to Colorado. And that meant Jackson state needed a new head coach. And if you listen to that last engagement between uh, coach prime and the players at Jackson state, it was the name TC Taylor mm-hmm. as who he'd like to see. And he knew a lot of things had to happen for the athletic department and, you know, engaging the entire university community. But uh, two weeks after 
Deion Sanders accepted the position of Colorado. Uh, Ashley Robinson was able to determine that uh, T.C. Taylor is the right coach to elevate from uh, wide receivers coach to head coach. And everybody feels like it's the, the right natural progression. Yeah. Oh, it's the perfect. It's the perfect move for Jackson State. This is a Jackson State alum, T.C. Taylor. Right. He was the wide receivers coach with Coach Prime. He's been in those meetings. He's been in those, he's been in those conversations. Um, but more importantly, he was a player as well. Got dressed, played in that stadium, War Memorial Stadium down there in Jackson, Mississippi. So if you want to get somebody who, remember, remember the joke was telling, saying that Dion wasn't swack, Coach Prime wasn't swack. Well, T.C. Taylor for sure is swack. He didn't came through the swack. He didn't came through uh, the tradition, the pageantry of what Jackson State is really all about. And so um, I applaud Jackson State for being able to allow Dion to not only leave, but to pass the baton to the next man. And everyone always says that, you know, this a lot of times in, in different ventures that you're a part of, but when you leave, make sure you leave it better for the next person. And I think that this program is in good hands that Dion has left it in, in a better situation than when he got it. And I think you have somebody in TC Taylor who is going to take over and continue what prime has already built. Because I tell you this, I've seen a couple of clips, Jackson watching these kids reaction to see that he was the head coach. It's priceless, man. It's pri- I mean, you get goosebumps because that's the one thing we forget about is the kids. So when you forget about the kids, because you're thinking about, well, coach prime is worried about him and he's going to the PWI. He's forget- I said, no, man, it's about these kids. And these kids see someone who is going to take on the leadership role that Coach Prime has given him, but more importantly, is a fabric of who they are and has been in their shoes. So I applaud Jackson State for this hire. And I love that Taylor doesn't look at this as a pressure-based anointing, right? Like it's, right. I was a part of the expectations being risen and I'm ready to meet those, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and like you said earlier, for it to be in him. Yes. That Jackson State is a part of him. <laughs> this is what he wants all of this, right? right. Mm-hmm. This isn't, this is simple. Um, it's interesting. I do love, I don't know how you feel about this. I, I like that Dion is finishing out the season, right? Like oh. coaching in the celebration bowl yep. and, and then handing everything over rather than just, and he, listen, he's chewing up some private jet miles right now. He but, is. He is. Uh, as he, as he straddles <laughs> the two programs. Uh, but I, I like when coaches finish, you yeah, know, actually one, fully finish the season. 100%. I, I agree. That is, uh, that's huge from Dion. And that's the reason why I think people are, 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 are buying into what he's doing. My man, happy holidays to you and yours. Pernell Brown as well. We are going to take a holiday hiatus on forward progress. Next episode will drop on uh, January 12th, 2023. Sounds right, like uh, something I used to hear about in the Jetsons. feels feels like the future but it's right now that's it absolutely so we'll be back together then uh special thanks to daryl woods for coming by and being our our guest today so on behalf of all of us mr brown mr morrison yours truly mr jackson very happy holidays to each and every one of you and as always thank you for rolling with us we'll talk to you next time on forward progress
Forward Progress is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give us a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts.